Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for November the 9th of 2020, and we are just a handful of hours away from the launch of the next generation of consoles. Of course, Microsoft is launching the Xbox Series X and the S tomorrow on November the 10th. On November the 12th, the PlayStation 5 makes its debut in many of the biggest territories around the world, with the global launch to follow just about one week later. It is an incredibly exciting time to be a player, and no matter where you are playing, whether it be on the Xbox Series X or the S or the PlayStation 5, if you are picking up a console this week, I do hope you enjoy it and you make the most of the time that you've got with it. But today we have some pretty big news to dive into from the world of Square Enix because they have posted a loss of $48 million following the release of Marvel's Avengers. While the publisher stopped short of giving a definitive reason for the loss, the period of the financial report reflects and includes fiscal information up to the end of September 2020, the same month its expensive live service title Marvel's Avengers was released. As detailed by our pals at PC Gamer, they write at Games Radar, the publisher did not release the sales figures of Crystal Dynamics' highly anticipated superhero game, but its MMO division, which concerns games like Final Fantasy XIV, posted profits across both periods. Japanese-based industry analyst David Gibson posited on Twitter that the loss was driven by Marvel's Avengers, as volumes were 60% to plan, adding it's been implied that the game cost over $100 million to make, but only sold about 3 million copies or so. It looks like the total cost of the game is closer to $170 million to $190 million, given they only expenses 70% of cost in the quarter, plus marketing cost, Gibson added. Why someone did not say stop post the multiplayer beta will remain a mystery, Square are adamant they can make a recovery. In related news, Crystal Dynamics recently confirmed that Marvel's Avengers won't reach PS5, Series X, or Series S until 2021. Of course, that adds more time to the development process. In a new State of the Game post, the developer confirmed that until the official launch next year, you can still play the game on next-gen consoles via backward compatibility by inserting the disc or re-downloading Marvel's Avengers. This will grant faster loading times and increased frame rates, and you'll still be able to play with friends on current-gen consoles. This was a shocker for me. Of course, if you've been following the channel for a while, I thought this was going to be one of the biggest games of the year financially. I didn't think that it was going to be a game of the year contender, but I thought that a name as big as Marvel's Avengers with this budget and with this name behind it uh, certainly couldn't fail as bad as it did, but it seems like it did not do well at all. Uh, And someone said it on Twitter, and I'm going to echo what they said. Not every big game has to be a live service game, and of course we have huge games that are not, but that seems to be the direction that many things are trending, and quite frankly it would have been nice to have a narrative driven Marvel's Avengers game, which is what this is, but it is still something that's a bit more dynamic and different. Now, the goal is to continue uh, to allow the game to evolve over time, and it very well could make a recovery. Uh, I think back to a game like No Man's Sky, which, while very, very different from what Marvel's Avengers is trying to accomplish, it was still able to make a complete 180 and come back in the other, other direction, and No Man's Sky has become one of the indie darlings of an entire generation. Uh, and so, Square Enix very well could turn around Marvel's Avengers, uh, but at the same time, you see games like Anthem that continue to struggle, and they continue uh, to just toil in this development hell, and so who knows where this one is going to end up. But I've watched a lot of Marvel's Avengers on Twitch, I've seen a lot of gameplay, and there's something good there. It is a solid game at its core, but for some reason it just did not 
really bring the results that Square Enix expected. Uh, so, of course, I hope the best for the development team. There is nothing that hurts more in my mind than seeing a project you're working on basically undermined in the news, basically devalued in the news, uh, because there are still many, many people working on this game. Of course, if you look to the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, optimizations are kind of expected, and so hopefully uh, everyone lands on their feet and continues working hard to make this the game that it definitely can be. Now we got some other big news over the weekend. A new Mass Effect game is in development alongside a remastered trilogy. The rumors of more Mass Effect were true, and then some. Bioware has revealed that it's not only working on the long-expected remaster of the original trilogy, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, but that the next chapter of the Mass Effect universe, that is a new game, is in development. Legendary Edition will boast 4K resolution support, higher frame rates, and beautiful visual enhancements. The three games will include the single-player base material and DLC in addition to promo gear. The remaster is due in spring 2021 for PC, PS4, and Xbox One, and will offer targeted enhancements for the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. More news should be available early next year. As for the new game, Bioware was quick to warn that the title was in the early stages, but that there would be a veteran team involved. It's safe to say the studio will have learned a few lessons from Mass Effect Andromeda's flawed execution, whether it was the technical issues or the lack of closure. The question, of course, is whether or not any future... Can, uh, excuse me, future game can live up to the high expectations set by the first three entries in the sci-fi series. It's going to be very difficult, but under the right circumstances, it very well could happen. So, ultimately, the remaster is the smaller story here because we all know that's been on its way. That is going to be launching in spring of 2021 across all of the major platforms, including last gen with enhancements for current gen. Uh, so, that's the good news. Hopefully that is handled well. I would love to see some gameplay because a lot of people are going to be expecting a lot from this game. Mass Effect is a very beloved franchise. I never personally got into it, but I would be willing to dive back in and give it a shot. Uh, now when it comes to the next big Mass Effect game, I have a feeling that's going to be kind of like a Dragon Age situation. Where we know there's a new Dragon Age in development, we know that it's coming, but it's just kind of this entity. It's just out there. It's floating around. There is no definitive end in sight for that development. Uh, and so I think the Mass Effect game probably at least minimally three years away, probably closer to five. Uh, that might be a bit of a stretch, but I don't think it's going to be happening anytime in the near, near future. Uh, but it is nice to know that Mass Effect has not been abandoned. Now what has been abandoned is PlayStation's, of course, Japanese branch by Sony. A new report claims that's according to a new report by Bloomberg, which claims that the PlayStation 4's disappointing performance in Japan, as well as PlayStation's decision to move its headquarters to California in 2016, have seen its input significantly reduced for its latest console. PlayStation's North American arm, Sony Interactive Entertainment America, has seen its influence grow significantly in the past four years, VGC reported in October 2019, following the platform holders' push towards a centralized global structure. The process resulted in a significant number of layoffs across its European operation during the past 18 months as leadership shifted to California. According to Bloomberg sources inside PlayStation's San Mateo headquarters, the U.S. office was frustrated by Japan's marketing for PS4, which it believes led to fewer consoles being sold to its predecessor, around 10 million units or so. As a result, Japan has been sidelined in planning the PlayStation 5's promotion, according to several Japanese PlayStation staff cited by Bloomberg. 
Employees in Tokyo said they've been left awaiting instructions in California, it is claimed. The U.S. office's critical view of the Japanese operation has also impacted its game development efforts, it's claimed. PlayStation's Japan Studio, which co-developed games such as Bloodborne, Astro's Playroom, and The Last Guardian, has seen the rolling credits, excuse me, the rolling contracts of many of its creators not renewed, former employees reportedly told Bloomberg. Japan-based developer support teams have also been reduced by as much as a third from their peak, it claimed. The U.S. office believes the PlayStation business does not need games that will only do well in Japan, employees in the California headquarters reportedly said. Responding to the Bloomberg report, Sony spokeswoman Natsumi Adarashi said, quote, Our home market remains of utmost importance and claimed that any suggestion Sony was shifting its focus away from Japan was incorrect and does not reflect the company's strategy. Speaking to VGC's network partners at GamesIndustry.biz last year, Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan insisted that the company was not becoming Americanized following its centralization in California. Ryan claimed the New Look organization had been designed to be more efficient ahead of the PlayStation 5 launch in 2020. I really want to reinforce the point that globalization does not mean Americanization or vice versa, he said. Becoming a global organization does not in any way, shape, or form mean becoming an American organization. I'm living proof of that as a good Geordie boy sitting here running PlayStation. Another European, Guerrilla Games co-founder Herman Hulst, was named PlayStation's new head of Worldwide Studios last November. The move saw former Worldwide Studios president Shuhei Yoshida leave the role to head a new initiative looking at smaller independent studios. In the past, PlayStation's regional arms were able to act autonomously, signing their own games and setting their own marketing budgets. This allowed regional departments in the US, Europe, and Japan to specifically cater to their own audiences, but also had the downside of creating a disjointed group operation, which some third-party publishers are said to have expressed frustration with. Ryan told GamesIndustry.biz, I would assume, Game Informer, there's just GI. Okay, the nature of AAA PlayStation 4 and certainly PlayStation 5 development, we are obviously not going to have worldwide studios make a game for one specific European country, and that might have been the case back in PSP times with Invisibles, which was popular in Spain. I think this will be where Shuhei Yoshida's new task of working with indies will come in. If we are nimble, flexible, and global, we can work together with smaller developers to allow those countries' specific needs to be met. Ryan also told the site, If we are to be successful, we really have to leverage the opportunities that globalization brings. I'm going to give you some examples. One is around the productization of the PlayStation 5, the definition of the feature set, of the development, and the implementation of those features. That process, this time around, has been massively more streamlined compared to anything we've done in the past. This product planners, excuse me, the product planners are now having one conversation instead of three different regional conversations where they needed to reconcile positions that were often conflicting or contradictory with an endless process of iteration and consensus. That is not happening anymore. We have one conversation and we get on and do stuff. Now, what a strange way to end a quote. We have one conversation and we get on and do stuff. Doing video game stuff. Um, so here you have the report that the PlayStation 5 has been kind of sidelined, uh, at least in terms of its promotion in the Japanese region. Interesting report. I don't think that Sony would ever say they're doing this because you never want to say you're not focusing on a region because you want every player around the world, no matter where they are, to feel appreciated and to feel like they are the center of the universe. You want that to be the vibe you give off. Now, in reality, 
It seems like this global operation is obviously going to focus more on the global powerhouses where you can make the most money. We're talking about the UK, the US, Canada. These are the big countries in terms of gaming. Uh, and so, of course, that is not to undermine Japan. It is still an incredibly important region to focus on. Uh, but it seems like Sony may be taking some of their resources and shifting them elsewhere. Now, of course, we talked very many months ago about the new globalized version of PlayStation, where instead of having these regional offices, you do have this one giant corporation. And to some degree, you do have a loss with that because you are not able to hyper-centralize your focus on one specific region. And instead, you have to kind of focus on what's happening globally. So, for instance, right now, Assassin's Creed Valhalla might not be doing well in Japan, but it's doing incredibly well in the United States in terms of marketing. It's that kind of example uh, that you might see. Uh, now, it depends on the internal schematics of the team. They could be focusing on these regions by just having one centralized team that focuses focuses on what will do well where, uh, and that very well could be the case. I don't work at Sony, so I don't know, uh, but I will tell you this. I hope that they don't lose focus on Japan because it is very important, and right now their biggest competitor, Microsoft, is focusing very heavily on the region because they are trying to make up lost ground with the Xbox One where it just kind of didn't do well at all, and instead with the Xbox Series X and S, they're really, really trying to make an impact in that space. Now, on top of that, Microsoft is also in talks to have uh, some kind of acquisition or multiple acquisitions of Japanese companies, uh, which could be a very big blow to Sony, depending on who they are going for. And of course, that's a whole other conversation about uh, the, I suppose you could say, uh, what what's the best word to say? The correctness, the uh, ability for a, an acquisition to impact the bottom line of a competitor, whatever that entity is, uh, that's what we need to talk about. But that's a topic for a later day. Looks like Sony is shifting their focus. Now, Black Ops Cold War is launching this week, but it looks like it will give players a big XP advantage on PlayStation. In addition to previously confirmed Zombies mode that is exclusive to PS4 and PS5, Activision has detailed further advantages for PlayStation players, including XP bonuses and additional loadout slots. Firstly, PlayStation players who play together in parties will receive a 25% bonus weapon XP. This bonus still counts when playing with cross-platform teammates, but only PlayStation users will receive the bonus. In addition, PlayStation players will receive exclusive monthly double XP events to boost their rank, and the $20 Battle Pass bundles will award an additional 5 tier skips compared to PC and Xbox. Finally, PlayStation players will get an additional 2 loadout slots for customization Activision has confirmed. These will be available when Create a Class unlocks upon reaching level 4. All exclusive benefits, including Zombies Onslaught, will be exclusive to PlayStation platforms until November 1st, 2021. The deal has already drawn criticism from the Call of Duty community, with one popular influencer calling the exclusivity bad for everyone involved. Quote, this is a practice that needs to end in multiplayer games, especially those with crossplay and progression, wrote Modern Warzone. Remember when the race to Master Prestige was fair on all platforms? This week, Activision revealed that Black Ops Cold War Season 1 will begin on December the 10th, including integration into Warzone. It was also revealed how much storage space Black Ops Cold War will require at launch. The game's initial file size is 95 gigs on PS4, 93 on Xbox One, 133 on PS5, and 136 on Xbox Series X and S, and we talked more about that last week. This wouldn't be a big deal if crossplay wasn't a situation and a factor in the modern gaming space. Because if you have platforms that are completely isolated, then for the most part, 
it's a pretty even playing field across the board for the majority of players. Now, if you're like what Modern Warzone was saying and you race to Master Prestige, that's going to be different because then you do have this cross-platform element that's brought into it. But if you're a regular player and you just enjoy playing Call of Duty and it was this isolated situation, then you might not notice a difference between the PS4 and PS5 and the Xbox Series X and Series S and the PC space. Uh, but you will. Now, the question is, will this have a large impact on the player's experience? Not necessarily. I don't think this is as big of a deal as many people are making it out to be for the majority of players. Now, for those that focus heavily on their XP, for those that are very competitive, uh, for those that are racing to hit a certain rank or a prestige, yes, this is going to be a pain. Yes, this is going to put you at a disadvantage. But for the majority of people that are just jumping on and playing the game after a long day of work, probably not going to be that crippling of an issue. Uh, now, they are absolutely winning players over with this because right now people are choosing their consoles. People are asking themselves which they would prefer to play on, the Xbox Series X, the S, or the PlayStation 5. And so whenever you have this kind of bonus, yeah, you're probably going to get more people to buy a PS5, which is exactly what this multi-million dollar deal is trying to accomplish. And so, I'm not saying I support it, I really hate this exclusive mode situation with Zombies Onslaught and what we saw last year with Spec Ops and Modern Warfare, uh, but ultimately that is the nature of capitalism, and sometimes we don't get the, uh, the great end of the stick. Now, in the world of Xbox, more is happening with Microsoft potentially teasing Xbox Game Pass adding Disney+. Plus. For a while now, Xbox Game Pass has been Microsoft's most useful tool when it comes to increasing the popularity of its brand. Even as there have been some concerns about the Xbox Series X and S launch and a lack of games, there are many that believe Game Pass will be enough to sustain them for the long haul. The acquisition of Bethesda was already seen as a huge win for Game Pass, due in large part to the upcoming games the studios are working on. But it appears that Microsoft is not stopping there. If a recent hint is to be believed, Microsoft may have one final bombshell of an announcement before the Xbox Series X and S launch on November the 10th. This week, the Game Pass account tweeted a picture from The Mandalorian with the message, All we are going to say is that we're not posting The Mandalorian and the child for no reason. It was a succinct teaser and one the company has many, uh, excuse me, and one that has many speculating in a dozen different directions. But one of the most popular theories is that Xbox Game Pass is going to announce Disney Plus as part of its monthly subscription offering. This would be seen as a massive partnership for Game Pass and yet another value to the service. Currently, The Mandalorian is in the middle of its second season on Disney+, Plus, and the show has been a massive hit for the service. Some see it as the main reason to subscribe to Disney+, Plus. there's also a variety of other original shows, movies, and access to Disney's entire library of films. At $6.99 per month, Disney+, Plus is arguably one of the best values among the streaming services, especially for those with kids. So, forwarding the service into Game Pass would only add to the value of Xbox's subscription service. If Disney Plus is included with Game Pass, there is the potential that it might be restricted to the ultimate version of the subscription. Where the base Game Pass subscription is $9.99, the ultimate version is $14.99 per month and includes access to the service on PC and console as well as Xbox Live Gold. Of course, there is no guarantee that Plus is going to be part of Xbox Game Pass, but the tweet has opened up a new line of thinking. A few believe that the tweet is referencing last week's announcement that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is coming to EA Play and Game Pass, but that does not feel appropriate for the tease. We mostly think of The Mandalorian and The Child, and they think of Disney+. Plus. Uh, so, this would be 
massive. And I think this is probably what's going to happen. Uh, I don't see why it wouldn't. Uh, now, when it comes to Xbox Game Pass, it continues to be such an incredible deal. Uh, if you look to all of the bonuses, you get even stuff like DoorDash discounts you can find with Game Pass Ultimate. On top of that, if you look at the Bethesda games that are coming currently now and, of course, in the future, on top of that, the big third-party games and first-party games from Microsoft uh, that are both released and in the pipeline, if you have an Xbox Series X and S or even an Xbox One, you need Game Pass. It's just so good. And of course, when you have Xbox Live Gold uh, costing what it does, why not just bundle that into the Xbox uh, lineup and just pay a little bit extra and get tons of experiences to enjoy? Uh, it is such a fantastic and phenomenal deal that I, I can't even put it into words, really. Uh, it is just so good. Uh, but if Disney Plus comes, it looks like I'm watching off the Marvel movies because, hey, why not? I have it. Uh, that would be fantastic because I don't really want tons of subscription services, but if something is bundled in with Microsoft's service that I already have, why not? But if you do want to buy an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5 for that matter, Best Buy won't let you buy a PS5 or an Xbox Series X in stores until 2021. Now, of course, you can place an online order and pick it up at curbside or in-store starting whenever they launch later on this week, but you will not be able to just walk in and buy one, and there is no point in camping out outside of a store. And I want to drive that point home. Sony has said time and time again, and they put out a big tweet last week, that if you are trying to get a PlayStation 5 on day one, there is no reason to camp outside of a Target to Walmart, none of that. There will not be physical consoles available in stores. That is what I am reading from Twitter. Now, Best Buy makes it clear that customers will absolutely be able to order a PS5, a Series X, or a Series S, either online or with the Best Buy mobile app for in-store pickup or contactless curbside service, so you can still get one. Let's make that very clear. Of course, Sony today officially confirmed that its retail partners will only be taking online orders when the console goes on sale next week on November the 12th. So again, I want to reiterate, don't try to go into a store and get one. It's not going to be there. Okay, so now that we've established that, of course, some people will still find them in stores. I'm sure that many of these stores are going to be putting them out depending on where you are in the country uh, and depending on the manager even. Of course, there is probably some kind of corporate policy, but ultimately this is to keep you safe because there is still a pandemic going on. In the middle of a console launch, we still have COVID-19 to deal with and it's important to be safe. If you do go in to pick up your store or well, you can pick up a store if you want, if you do go in to pick up your console at a store this week, wear a mask. I'll be at Best Buy tomorrow morning at 5.45, picking up my Series X with a mask on, waiting in the parking lot. Very excited. Uh, and so, just be sensible, you know. Don't try to, to crowd around, try to find one. Just uh, just be an adult about it. The, the console will still be there. Uh, but that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, drop me a like down below. And of course, let me know what you thought about everything we talked about here today. But on top of that, what do you think about Marvel's Avengers specifically? What a crazy game that one has been to see unfold over the past few months. Uh, I hope the best, as I said, but man, what a story. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic day. I'll talk to you soon, and peace.